Geek Shock. It's a shadow world of fantasy upon which dreams are born. A kingdom where illusions give a light and sound and form. It's a magic world where rules do not apply. It's a brain new It's been great going through there to reacquaint myself with the old comics I bought. Sure, back sure. Then. But coming across some of those old number ones, yeah, that went nowhere. Yep. Night, Night Thrasher, Fool Killer. Well, Night Thrasher became part of the uh, New Warriors. Did he? Yep. Yeah. Now was he already part of the New yes. Warriors at that point? And he then was he introduced got, in New Warriors, and then he got his his breakout yes. number one. Yeah, comic. So is this confirmed? Is is David Cassidy yes. no longer with yes, us? Yes, he is. Yeah. He's okay. Because yes. last I heard, he was in the hospital, and then something I read yesterday said, stop believing the internet. He's alive, and he's <laughs> actually getting better. And I'm like, okay. You know what? That's probably going to be the new hoax. Somebody <laughs> dies, and people puts out, no, no, still alive. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I saw Donovan Freeberg uh, um, wrote about it on Facebook, and he's very solid when he puts he's dead, because he knows them all. So now they're going to add him to the collection but, of no, he's just, he's, 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 he's just very, Donovan's was very upset when people die because they're, you know, the, the, the people he grew up with. Because ah. he was he was on the edge of Hollywood. Who is this? Stan Freeberg's uh, son. Unfortunately, a strange son after, before the death. Okay. Um, strange son. Well, just they had a major falling out that they never healed before his dad died. Okay. It always makes me sad to think about it. But he's a interesting cat. But yeah, he'll, he'll when somebody famous dies, he'll often like with, with Cassidy. Mm-hmm. He said, "Now, now, 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 David is dead. Who I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a name without, because for the first five years they didn't name Stan Freeberg didn't name his son. He just called him Baby Boy Freeberg. Really, really. And and mm-hmm. David said, I can't call a five year old Baby Boy. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's a shame. He mm. was only sixty seven. Yeah, an organ failure and stuff. He yeah. was uh, dementia. He, hmm. I know people who worked with him here in town, and he lived life hard. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. I, I have heard the same. Yeah, apparently when he was in EFX, he was uh, partaking Effectsin. of various substances. And a pain in the ass to work with. Was he? Oh, yeah. Now. People. And he hated working with him. I never worked with him, but he, he had a serious case of uh, little man's disease. Oh, wow. <gasps> wow. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 414. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Big little man. <laughs> Fact checked Andy. And we're to talk week and geek. Now, FX was a show that ran here in Las Vegas for E-F-X. a good long time. Yes. I guess you should call it EFX because even the song itself. EFX. E-F-X. Yeah. I never got to see it. Me yeah. neither. It was here forever. It had four different stars that were ahead of it. It was Tommy. Yeah. Uh, no, it started with uh, Michael, Michael Crawford. Crawford. That was the version I saw first. Tommy Toon next? No. No. Then I, well, I think it... W- well, so in the it, 17- it ended with Tommy Toon, didn't it? I moved I out so. here in 2000, and it was Cassidy, Toon, and then Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield, that's right. Spring- Springfield, I believe, was the final... Okay. I don't about right. final star. See, I don't think it was. I think Tommy Toon was oh, the last gonna, one. You're going to make me look this up, and aren't I, you? And I think Rick Springfield was number three. 80s Jeff going to fact check the 90s. 
Because I saw the Rich Springfield version. I saw the Michael Crawford version. Because I wasn't going to miss the Phantom. Yeah. See, I don't think a Crawford. I realize he is, to most people, he's a Phantom. To me, he's the definitive Barnum. Yes. Which they're making another musical Barnum thing. What do you mean? A, you mean like a brand new musical yeah. on Broadway? Yeah. No, it's a movie. movie. Oh, okay. Greatest with, um, show. With um, um, Zach Efron? No. no. Um, uh, Bob uh, Smith? P.T. Barnum is ripe material yeah, at all it times. Is, it is that ripe is material. Fine. Now, they're not doing the musical Barnum. They're just doing a new version. They're doing a new Barnum that's a musical. But not based not on Barnum. The, it's not okay. It's not Barnum. It's not the one with all the wonderful you know, colors of the world. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'd be great if they did that. I would love, well, the, the Crawford one is available on video somewhere. This is true. That will always be and with us. And that is amazing. Always be with us. I got to meet Crawford. Did you really? Because that was when I was working as the lion. Oh, and sure. Our our dressing room was in the EFX theaters dressing room corridor. Uh, oh, so you're gonna all right. run into him. Yeah. Here we go. Here's here's the list. Official opened with Michael Crawford. Ha. Followed by David Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Then Tommy Tune. Ah. Closed with Rick Springfield. And then ended with Tommy Two Tone. Wow, that'd be impressive. Yeah, and the dragon ended up dead on uh, the wall in uh, at Hammergren's house. Yes, yeah, as and did, the time machine did too. As did David Cassidy. Yes, yes. Tiny little. Oh, David I'm sorry. Zach Efron is a supporting character. Hugh Jackman. Re- Hugh Jackman. That was it. Hugh I don't Jackman. remember Zach Efron being in EFX. No, Hugh Jackman is going to be a huge. He was really, Jackman. really kid. He was a young kid. He's going to be huge. <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge Hugh, Jackman. Hugh Jackman is Barnum looking like he's 12. He looks really young. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Fun. I'm in. Yeah, yeah I, yep. I, I saw the trailer when I saw Justice League, and uh, it actually looks pretty good. Actually, nice. Jeff saw Justice League. Kirsty, did you see Justice League? I have seen Justice League. All right, how about you? Me too. Wow, I haven't. They said justice is coming. Now justice well, is here. Yeah. Sit out on the stairs. We'll talk about it. Ah, you know how we yeah. do this. The first week we, oh. uh, we talk about it non-spoilery. Because mm-hmm. many haven't seen it. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll have seen it by next week, I'm yep. sure. Uh, but uh, what's your impressions on Justice League, gentlemen? DC actually knows how to make movies now. Ah, it's, I really liked it. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't understand all the negative hype. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, not, it's no Thor Ragnarok. Nope. But it's not, it's not a disaster. No. All right. That's, that's kind of what I've gathered from people. People are enjoying it. They're not overwhelmed with enthusiasm, yes. but they like it. It's it, got some it, jumbled stuff. You can see they switch directors in the middle of it. And uh, I guess there's some weird stuff with a mustache that was removed. Oh, yes. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't totally notice it. blanked out on his name. Henry here. Cavill. Henry Cavill had a mustache. Spoilers, everyone. And they digitally removed it. Zip, 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 zip. And it's... For reshoots. And, and it's... No. For the whole goddamn movie. No, no. I think it was I just I don't for think reshoots. it was just a I think reshoots. It was just reshoots. He was called in for reshoots, and he had, he to had the mustache for another part, and uh, they removed the stuff. Fact check it. I, I've seen pictures, at least that, that one picture, and it, it looks a little spooky. Mm-hmm. It's weird watching him speak because yeah. you see the mouth moving, but it's not quite natural uh, the way that it... W- and he's very uh, recessed upper lip as he talks. So there's a lot of top row of teeth showing that does not normally show when yeah. he speaks. So. Uh, it's probably a tip of the hat to a Superman novel where he goes to an alien planet. <laughs> and he, like, here's, here's, and he, a, here's a perfect picture no, example. I've seen, I've seen yeah. the picture. But I've never seen it in motion. But so. there's a Superman novel where he goes to an alien planet, 
and he disguises himself because the aliens on that planet don't have a filter, so he fills it as filter with putty. So it probably has to do with that. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that was the whole intent. No, no it wasn't. And sure it, wasn't it wasn't an intern on Photoshop. No, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a fun movie. I like it. It's, it's got some funny bits in it. And I'm, I'm not, see, I didn't feel like it was as jumbled as as some people said. I, it, yeah, no. Yeah, it yeah. seemed like it was a you know fairly consistent storyline. Yeah. Um. Now the same thing with the Marvel movies, and I think this was this was a big gripe with people. It was like they changed the way the story goes. Dirk, it's like, Dirk. well, it's it's the same as like you would consider that the the Marvel. Universe, uh, cinematic universe is its own thing. It's not the same one born out of the comics, so things are going to be changed. It's the same thing with this, you know. Sure. Different character origins, etc., are going to be slightly different. How they're brought into this is different. So, yeah. I mean, it's there's it's a, its own thing, and that's what people need to realize. There's unexpected takes and characterizations of the three characters we haven't met in any other movies you know, uh, Flash, do you, do you Flash, th- Aquaman, and um, do you think it hurts the movie by no. introducing no, these but three it, so but quickly? It's, it's, no, it's definitely okay. different. Uh, but they, but they are they are very different from what they what they appear as in the comics yes. or even in the Flash on TV. Um, and they're fine. It's as a different take. It's a it's a very different take in Flash's sure. case. I've been on yeah. board DC's different take. I'm still a fan yeah. of Man of Steel. So yeah, I'm I'm warming up to that. I, oh. Yeah, this is why I said, okay, when we saw it... Yes, you did. Is, ...is this movie makes the previous movie better. Okay. And the previous movie made that movie, previous movie, the movie before that which, better. Which previous Batman movie? Batman v Superman. Wonder Woman? Immediate. Or, okay, no, no, yeah, no, no, I'm no. skipping because, yeah. It, Wonder this, Woman's this movie, good all on its own. Right, right. It doesn't need any no, help. No, that doesn't need help, yeah. This movie made Batman versus Superman better, and Batman versus Superman made... Man of Steel. Man of Steel yeah. better. I, I still say... And I stand behind this, you know. If you're going to watch Batman v Superman, definitely watch the director's cut. It's a much more cohesive movie. The real director's cut or the yes. thing that Todd watched? <laughs> the real. <laughs> well, that's just him not looking at the disc when he put it in there. You know, it's so oh, funny. <laughs> I bought that and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Vernon was over to watch it one night. And I was cracking it open. And he's like, now, Kirsten, you got to be careful because the theatrical cut is on top of the director's cut. So yep. you got to dig around and make I sure you get I hate that the- Vernon knew with that more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, yeah. I just, I started laughing. He's like, what, what's so funny? The um, Let me tell you about this doofus named Todd. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Cyborg. I loved how, mm-hmm. I love, I really liked how they used him. Because he was, you know, th- you're really sitting there thinking he's just going to be extraneous, gratuitous character. He was kind of the focus of. Yeah. Yes, they did. They, they made they, oh, wow. they used him to tie the whole thing together. He, he was a, he was an important plot element. Yeah, because yeah. I always felt like in in a lot of the comics uh, and occasionally like the animated series, Cyborg was just kind of the, <laughs> you know. It, he was the MacGuffin, or not the MacGuffin, but the red herring where he would come in and fix things. He he wasn't central to the story, but when they needed something technical fixed, he'd come in, fix it, and then was gone. He'd come and yeah. voyager it all the way. He was the yeah. night thrasher of the Teen Titans. <laughs> <laughs> night. Not really. <laughs> but uh, he he it made sense his backstory, why he's in this movie, and yeah, I just 
they they did they did right by the character. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to talk any further about this without going to spoilers. Yeah. So probably should help move on. All right, very but, but it is it's worth seeing. And it's, I will say, kudos to DC getting Danny Elfman back to do uh, yeah. the soundtrack. And I don't want to be spoilery, but goddamn, it is nice to have Danny Elfman <laughs> scoring a big budget movie. Terrific for DC's universe. Because it was a, it's a I can't remember his name DX. Oh, the one that did Batman v Superman, yeah, yeah. and then Man of Steel and uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I can't think of his name either. Dead Mouse. I don't know. I don't know. God, Very DJ you. name, but yeah. uh, he does good work. What Hulkenberg? You mean Junkie XL? Junkie XL. Thank you. <clears throat> He's very, well, dude. Fury Road. Yeah, exactly. Ah, that is okay. one of the finest. I mean, one of the finest movies, period. But one of the reasons is because of that fucking goddamn near operatic score. Sure. It really, it really has a lot to okay, do with putting see, that movie over. Hans the top. Zimmer did the Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Let's see who did Batman. V. No, Superman. okay, I okay. guess. I thought you had the list going. All right. I thought it was too, but it, that's only gotcha. the only one that came up. So uh, while he picks around with that. All I, I Nick Glennie Smith still working on it. Did Batman V. <laughs> so Superman. far, I'm not here in Junkie XL. Yeah. So I wait. thought he was involved in this one. That mm. is weird. But then again, we haven't reached this one yet. So um, Okay, it's Hans Zimmer in Batman v Superman 2, according to this. Batman v Superman 2? I haven't seen that one yet. Mm. I hear that's better than the first one, though. Gotta be. Should be. <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey! And it, and it makes Justice League a better movie. Right. Ah, yes. <laughs> so I watched uh, Kingsman, too. The the sequel, Kingsman. Yeah. Golden Showers. Yeah. Golden Showers, yes. <laughs> Wouldn't have been out of place in that movie. <laughs> um, it's fun. Mark Miller at his best. Yeah. It's fun. It, it's it, you know the the weirdness is cranked up to eleven. All right. Uh, it's, it's just it's big and silly and illogical and fun. But uh, just how I like my James yeah, Bond movies. Yeah, it's it's, it's craziness. Uh, there's a there's a major plot point where he has to finger a girl. It's bizarre. <laughs> the sequel or the the sequel? Okay. Because I haven't seen the sequel. No, no, no. And I was like sitting there, and I'm like, I don't remember that in no, the, 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 the... original the, was anal. The original was anal. No, okay. Yeah. The original was <laughs> anal. Up the butt. So if you like the first one, you're going to like the second one, or is it maybe too over the top? It, it's. Uh, I could see people feeling it's too over the top. I didn't feel that, but I, I could see that bothering people. I still okay. plan on seeing it, but that was one of the complaints I heard is like, oh, it's... It's not realistic compared to the first one, and I'm like, the first one was not realistic at all either. Yeah. So yeah. come on, wow, realistic. Yeah. They actually, I think they meant it just got too goofy or something. But yeah, they, I don't they know. did crank the insanity up high. Okay, but that's, I, that's I'm probably sure it will be. It. I caught it at the Colonnade because I was a, just on a whim. I went to see if it was playing anywhere else, and was playing at the Colonnade. But I'm sure it'll be at the two dollar theater in a week or two. Yeah, because I was gonna go see it on one of the five dollar Tuesdays at. Uh, uh, Orleans, and then they stopped showing right. it, so I didn't get a chance to. But even the goofy, over-the-top action films can reach a limit where you sus- your suspension of disbelief just breaks. So I get that. What else you do, guys? I got Wolfenstein 2, finally. All right. And I've been playing the shit out of it this weekend. Very nice. How does it compare to one? I really like the story. Uh, the gameplay is about the same. It's, you know, still fr- it's your standard first-person shooter, so... But uh, the story is is pretty engaging. It's it's uh, kind of like Kingsman Two. It's a little more over the top than the first one. All right. There's a couple of things where I'm like, what? No, come on. Because the but, first one, I, I've I've attempted the first one twice. Okay. And the story just 
does, hasn't Didn't grabbed grab me. But maybe I haven't, I haven't played it too long in either case. So maybe I just haven't gone deep enough in the story to get hooked. Sure. But aside from, you know, shooting Nazis feels pretty good. Yeah. But uh, other than that. Wait, the first... We played the hell out of that Wolfenstein, right? Are you There's talking a, about the old classic um, PC one? I don't know. No, not, no. Not, we not played one on an Xbox. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a, like every other... It was weird. Every other level was like... One level would be straight uh, hunting Nazis, and then the next one would be just try to survive. Ghosts and crap. You know, would we be yeah, monsters? We had that weird tower. We'd switch we back between monsters and, 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 and Nazis and monsters and Nazis. And, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am weird. glad with this one, though, they allow you to adjust the difficulty on the fly. Because there, <laughs> ah. there was one part in the game. Where it was just wave upon wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of Nazis, As and do. I kept you know I kept running out of ammo. I kept you know just getting boxed into a corner and blown to shit. And I was just like, I can't. I I must have restarted that level twenty times, oh, wow. and I finally I was like, shoot! I've been working on this one ten minute scene for over an hour. Um, I think maybe it's just time to accept the fact that I need to adjust it down. And I did, and then I got through it. So I will say but that's one, back. one definite thing that modern gaming has over classic gaming. Uh-huh. Because in classic gaming, if you ran into that wall, yep. not only would you have to start back, but if you wanted to start on that same level, yep. you'd have to enter in a 36-letter code. So, yeah, yeah, things are much better in that regard. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. I also basked in the uh, warm glow of the Quark's bar sign. Oh, did you? Do tell. Oh, yeah. Uh, went over to Jerry and Francine's place, and they have moved the Quark's bar, so they have the Quark bar sign up. And ah, yes. Jerry and Francine, friend of the show and mm. even bigger friend of Star Trek The Experience. Mm. Right. Uh, bought the Quark sign. Yes. Yes. That used to be in Star Trek The Experience. Mm. And well, have it for more, their own personal collection. More, more rescued it than rescued. bought. But, okay. Uh, uh, it's a it's a much deeper story, but there was a certain person who will remain nameless that was trying to pilfer the sign, and uh, Jerry and Francine rescued it. Now, if anybody besides me deserves to have that sign, it's them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I have requested that it be put in their will that I get the sign if any, anything ever happens to them, but we we have not discussed it since. But uh, I think the dogs come along with it. But uh, it was a, it was in pretty bad shape when they when they rescued it and Jerry lovingly restored it. It works. It lights up. It's it's pretty awesome. So. Brilliant. But yeah, they've got a they've got a whole bunch of they rescued a lot of great stuff. Yeah, nice. And not to mention stuff they've they've actually purchased right either on eBay or you know they went to when they had the big fire sale for the warehouse uh, that had all the stuff that was gutted from the experience they bought a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff there too so it's about as close a recreation of corks as you'll will, you will find now now jeff what did you either buy or get to keep from the experience uh not much we were we were we were all lulled into believing that uh if we put our name on this list and put down um a few of the things that we would like to have that we were going to be able to uh to acquire that after the, you know, higher ups were presented with the list, and that was all a lie. Um, so, what did you end up getting? Um, you know, I wish I had stolen a bunch of stuff 
To be to be perfectly <laughs> honest, people. Because, I, yeah, that's that's going to be the the theme entirely. But well, what, I want to know what they you hired, ended up with. Well, see, that's the thing is, I I, I bought some of the stuff. Like uh, I ended up having to buy a warp core bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the one that I bought was much better than the one that I had planned on, uh, you know, taking out with me on the final day. Okay. Um, I did finally find uh, one of the giant corks coffee mugs on ebay for a very reasonable no, price I, I don't want to know what you acquired like you found out i want to know what you got from the experience <laughs> i didn't really get anything i wasn't I know able you have to... a shuttle seat no well yeah i do have a shuttle seat uh that i got because it was i the day that i went up to get my final paycheck and stuff there was a couple of them out by the dumpster so i mm. snagged See, that's the stuff i want to know yeah uh so yeah, I have one. It's in decent shape, but it's not. It's you have, not do you have your name shape. tag? I do have my name tag. Uh, actually, I did take my uniforms. Hey, there you go. I, oh. I took my my Corks bowling shirts. It says Corks Hollow Sweet Bowling League. It was. Uh, it's got my name embroidered on it as Jeef J E E F. Mm-hmm. Although I do have I have I have one Jeef and I have one that's Jeff. So uh, the old one. And then mm-hmm. uh, one of our. Um, one of our patrons bought one of the shirts off of me, and uh, I was just going to give it to her, and she insisted on actually paying me for it. Two very she, nice people. She mm-hmm. wanted uh, she wanted one that had been worn behind the bar. In fact, you know. she wanted it off your back. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah quite was literally. There a dance with, with chief sweat. Mm-hmm. No, I washed it first. Oh, damn! That's not what she wanted. <laughs> but was there a dance? No, there was no strip. There was no pole. There was no chief jig. Chief Jig, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 Kirsten can back me up on this. They, so they, they were warning us like the whole final week about yeah. they, they were hiring outside security and they were going to, you know, inspect people's bags as they were leaving and all this stuff. So the final day gets there. There's a couple of things that I kept walking by in the hallways. One of them was a uh, uh, first contact era uniform the, the jumpsuit the nice ones with the black and the gray uh shoulders and it had the red command level shirt right next to it and i'm like you know i know the person that wears this and they're about my size so i could probably sneak that out of here but then i'm like no you know what security probably grabbed so this it. is well, a long list of things you almost got this is a bunch of almost <laughs> wow. this, is very, this is very much an andy story <laughs> wow <laughs> but Come to find out, you know, all I had to do was, like, when I was walking past the security guy, he was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm doing press stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay. They didn't check any of my bags. They didn't check anything I had. And had I known this, because I was on my way out when this happened, and I'm like, fuck, I could have gone back and snagged all that stuff. That w- there was such a stupid time, because I remember by the time I was leaving, I saw a pile of confiscated stuff. And yeah. this, this guy took... He he, he took. Uh, we had remember those foam Spock salutes, yes. the Vulcan oh, yeah, salutes yeah. from G four. I have one somewhere. He, yeah, I like, saw like the, like the baseball. Yeah, exactly. Waving the, gloves the, the, thing. The, yep, yeah. the big foam hand things. He had a pile of those because that was Star Trekky. So he was pulling those out of people. I saw a belt that was just a simple belt. I mean, like maybe that he thought felt that that was a costume piece. It was really, really weird. So a guy who didn't know what he was looking for just he was grabbed just, no. If it looks like a costume piece or a Star Trekky thing, take it. And he did. Wow. Yeah. And it was really funny because I remember 
a month later talking to the unnamed person that uh, we're not t uh, naming who right. uh, g ended up with a lot of things. And I was talking Voldemort. about my costume and he actually he actually commented to me, "Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't uh, you didn't uh, take that." <laughs> Jesus, I'm like, all right. How the fuck was I supposed to take it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. when we turned in our costumes the final time, Crystal Taylor, a uh, you know, good friend of ours, uh, art artist girl, model here uh, in Vegas now, but when she was working costumes there, she ran down the checklist and she checked off every item from my costume. So there was no way I was going to walk away with anything. And it was just, it really was incredibly irritating. I got most of my costume during that whole uh, prop works uh, sale thing, but I never got my boots because mm. uh, somebody decided that those were were obviously awesome and walked off with those. Oh, wow. Which pissed me off because I broke those in and uh, I can't find those boots now. No. Yeah, Vernon was, uh, was able to uh, secure permission from CBS to give yeah, all he, of the actors their their costumes or yeah. at least what was remaining of their costumes huh. and it, it's irritating a little irritating to me because a lot of people joyfully got their costumes and then sold them on ebay and we we were supposed to even sign a little thing saying we weren't going to sell them or anything right. this was for our own mm -hmm. and you know it's like <clears throat> i never got a starfleet uniform honestly even i played starfleet once and that's really like that. unusual for a vegas i mean a lot of shows oh, yeah. in vegas when they close they burn the costumes yeah. or cut them up. Well, this this There's was video of them destroying the Borg outfits. Of course, oh. the Borg outfits were riddled with fungus and disease <laughs> yeah. by the time we were closing. So it was a purging. Needed, they needed to be destroyed. But now, I did end up getting a Starfleet uniform through back channels. Okay, mm -hmm. and whether it was one hundred percent legal or not, I don't know. <laughs> but I have one. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Goodness. 80s fence. All right. I did. I was around at Star Trek when it closed. I, I left in 2000. The price right. was still fairly healthy. And I wanted to take a piece with me. I really, and I, in one of the transporter rooms on the wall, there was a loose triangular piece of that wall. Oh, I remember this story. This right. is awesome. And so... I could you could just pull it off and put it back, and I'm like, you know, something you'd fiddle with when when the ride was slow. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to take this piece. That's what I'm going to do before I leave. So I had a I, we were allowed to bring books up for the in between times to you know entertain ourselves in between yeah. groups. And he was when known was for always having a book on him. Right. In fact, people to this day still go. It's like. Oh, yeah, the guy that, that was always reading up in uh, yeah, the Yeah, that ride. was me. Imagine yeah. that. That was me. <laughs> so I bought a Guinness Book of World Records. The new style was very tall and, and, and just thick enough. And I started cutting out the center of it like you would a uh, Bible to hold a gun. Sure. All right? This as, is, you, as you do. This is before right. the surveillance cameras were installed, Kirsten. Very much so. <laughs> he was and I cut out the perfect size that I could actually fit it in there and I could get it home. And no one would know the better. At the last moment, I decided not to. What? Because that piece would have been very apparent being missing because it was a very stylized wall. Uh, and then it would have been this empty, just... 
it would have looked bad, and I didn't want to leave the show with a big hole in it. So now I wish I had it, of course, <laughs> years later now that it's gone. But at the time, I was very keen on getting that piece at the last moment. For show integrity, I didn't take it. You're a better e- man. Even though I'd already cut out the book piece. To even though you destroyed a perfectly good Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those, those, those went to shit when they stopped going in thick novel form anyway. That's nothing. His original plan was to take one of the dedication plaques off the bridge. <laughs> Boy, so many Enterprise. people wanted that. I think somebody actually ended up with dedication. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. that I, Of course, I wanted that. It was glorious. Well, the uh, seats from the ride are still rotting in Ronnie Hanmergen's backyard. <laughs> That's good is to know. Is it still his backyard, or is that the one? That, the, that one, they're over on, the si- on that side. Oh, yes. Okay. I've been going through my old comic book collection in yeah. a feats of joy and melancholy. I've Aww. gone through four small comic boxes of with three that are just being given away to Critical Care Comics when it's all done. Mm-hmm. But I still have about six more to go through. Right. But, yeah, I've, I'm keeping a stack of, so far, about 20, 25 books. Wow. For, of ones that are either... I, I hope I'm that brave when I start going through my collection. <laughs> <laughs> that are really nice collector pieces at this point, or ones that are just, you know, close to me, like X-Men 251 was the first one I grabbed, mm. I think it was, or... You know those kind of pieces. X-Men you remember that Star Wars one of yours, Andy? That I so I, I know it I is. Said, I just haven't. No, I just said it. that I set aside. He's got. I think it, yours is like number two. He's got number one. Mm, nice. I'm and keeping that, that one. Yeah, that's mine. But yeah, but it's it's nice to go through the collection and remember the times where you bought this or that Do when you you're excited. This this time? particular series started Batman Shadow the Bat or whatever. It was it was it was nice to go down that reminiscing road of sure. a full collection, but I just don't have space. Or will I really read these again? I've moved on to you know, right. frankly, you know, digital or just collected editions in physical form. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be going through my comic books. I'm going through my regular books, and I've I've, I've just got a lot of junk. Not junk. I've got really cool stuff, but. It, I've enjoyed it for many years. Yes. It should go on to somebody else to enjoy it for a few years. That's exactly it. And Critical Care Comics is a, a great local. It is, absolutely. Local charity that gives comics out to kids in the hospital, and mm-hmm. they dress up as characters when they do it. And Now, I'm trying to figure out what the hell I do with things like, you know, the, 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 the R and light X-rated books, and what the hell do you do with those? That, that you give to the, uh, well, you go down to the. Uh, give it to the Erotic Heritage Museum. They won't take it. No, no, they don't want that. I, I say just go down to a uh, nursing home and just give it to the oh, kids there. Sure. Criti- <laughs> critical senior care. Critical yeah. senior care. <laughs> Here, have this Faust. <laughs> Cherry Pop-Tart. <laughs> and, and there are some really good comics in there that kids will really get into, like American Splendor. They'll, they'll love Oh, that. they'll love yeah, American yeah, Splendor, yeah. sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking good. about the kids on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, what else you do this week? Anything? Um, I watched some Punisher. I watched some Punisher too. What? I'm halfway through. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I I, I love the Punisher. I I could not miss it. I think I'm about halfway through myself. I'm really impressed by it. Yeah. Really impressed. It's so funny. He's not the Punisher of the comics, but Mm -mm. I'm really enjoying Bernthal's portrayal. Yes. In fact, I like how they're leaning so heavy on 
the forgotten vets angle mm-hmm. of everything, the side stories that are going along with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm loving that. So I, I don't know how it goes on the second half, but the first half's been amazing. I'm eager. To, I watched a couple episodes, but I've, I've been unpacking and patting, moving shit up. So I'm very happy to get a chance to sit down sometime this week and actually watch it. Yeah, I was on my way to binging it, and then Longmire dropped. Uh-oh. And I actually went to watch just two episodes, and I lost an entire day. Yeah, I I left yeah. the house, and he was just starting to watch Longmire, and I went to go see the Kingsman, and then I ran some errands and went to see my daughter, and I came back like six or seven hours later, and he has not moved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I lost an entire day. I was not planning on doing that, but they're well-written because they're not full-on cliffhanger endings to each episode but there's such a nice organic lead in they're so well written hmm. that you just you stick with it because you want to stay and see where the next few minutes are going and then you just you're gonna get me to watch long my yeah. it's, it's, it's very well written i watch long. a few minutes over his shoulder and i can see why he's watching it yeah. and yeah. you know katie sackoff so. okay hey you know what else he did he bought a pair of uh, loaded d20s which way are these loaded? I'm oh. guessing game night was Sunday and uh, Andy did not do well. Is that is that what's going on here? He was fighting me with harpies and we were holding our own. Okay, this is D&D. Yeah. D&D. Okay. And uh we were doing fine. It was a, it was a, you know, we were wiping them off the map. It was Group an easy versus battle. Harpies. Sure. And we're on a cliff, you know. So oh. that's that's scary enough, but we were holding our own and he rolls this harpy and she hits two natural twenties on me. <laughs> Yikes! Yep. And that caused what? I died. Oh, okay. Like, like your character is dead? No, no. no, no. Yeah, we, this, we this is zero this, hit points. This is modern D anD. d Yeah. Well, exactly. but I was killed at the top of the cliff and then dropped thirty feet off the cliff. Yeah, because the, the the way I had it was two claw attacks, two talent attacks. If they hit on both, strength check, or you're pulled, ah. and they'll pull you off the cliff. And I put him below zero with You'd the two attacks. You'd have to attacks. be real unlucky to roll that, though. <laughs> <laughs> or have That's loaded D20s. <laughs> they just, it was funny because they just bloop, two 20s and pulled him off. And so when he fell off the cliff, that's damage, which counts as a failed death save. So he was already going into the death save. Oh, wow. And, and Matt was complaining mightily because basically his druid is our party healer. So he's got to be the one to go and heal and you know run off and do triage. So he's fighting this one harpy and he's learned how his druids learned how to turn into a giant spider. So he just wants to web and bite and poison and he's like god damn it and he had to go off and help Andy. <laughs> so and it's funny cuz I used those d20s Andy on uh, today's game where I was playing mm-hmm. with the gatekeepers and uh I had a natural twenty, uh-huh. and and it and my character, it's a fighter that it's built to just start maximizing on the crit, and so I rolled a natural twenty and totally destroyed uh, the lich we were fighting. Mm-hmm. That's a very powerful sexual move, the maximizing on the crit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey baby. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, played some D and D too. So that was. Um, that was good. Uh, uh, I think that's it. Also, I'm still reading Aftermath by that Chuck Wendig dude who, who does the Star Wars novels. So, nicely written. 
I, I like the style it's written. I know that he's gotten a lot of guff for the the style that it's written in, but I, I'm not. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, why, it gelled but, with me. I don't know why. I, yeah. I, I think some of that is just haters from the legendary era. Maybe. I mean, it's he's definitely no offense to the people who have done it or made a living off of it, but it's definitely superior tie-in novel prose. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it it feels a cut above it. So I think it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you want some Star Wars in your life, the Wendig Aftermath trilogy is about as good as it gets in the modern era. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of games, we were sent a little something in the mail. I'll oh. read the uh, the. Oh. Oh, I see the letter oh. here. Hello, leaders of the Shock Monkey Troop. Yes. I have heard some talk about board games on the podcast, so I thought I'd send something along to you. This game, Robot Lab was developed by some fine gents here in the Chicagoland area. The local game group, of which I belong, had a chance to playtest it before it went Kickstarter, and I enjoyed it. Uh, their KS campaign was a success, was a success, and their orders were fulfilled recently. <laughs> I thought... Andy's trying to reach for the game already. <laughs> I thought those of you that play tabletop games might enjoy this. It's a set collection game with an element of screw your neighbor. Ha-ha! Oh, <laughs> oh, <then. laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> It's short enough so that it can be used as filler between longer games or a quick game while you're waiting for the rest of your group to show. I hope you like it. Fond regards, Mike Martin. And so here it is, Robot Lab. So I'll give it to you. I'll hand it to you, Andy. Thank so you. That you guys can play it at the game nights when you All reconvene. Right. And let me know how it is. Maybe this weekend because uh, Major yeah. Meh cannot join us. He has to. He has this thing called work. No. Oh, which also reminds me that uh, yeah, Captain Canada is not here because he's working. Yes, that's we didn't kill him. It's gonna happen every now and then. Heck, heck, I dodged a bullet by working today. So, but we made it. He made it. So, Robot Lab. Yeah, we'll give this a shot. It's it. it, it, Hey, a collection game with the screw your neighbor mechanic. Sounds like it was made for him. Yeah, really. They might as well just call it simple Todd game. Race for yeah. If we ever get you back into some tabletops, I really want to play. How's that game? Uh, Fuck your buddy. Catan. No, Catan's good too. I want to see you play Catan, but um, Fuck your Catan buddy. Da 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 da. Betrayal and Haunted Hill. Ooh, yes. That is such a Todd game, and I've never played it with you. I'm in. You've played, you played that before, right? Color matching robot building. What's that? You played that invention. before, right? I still haven't. I know you guys played it once prior. You know what? I didn't read the box, so let me read the, oh, what the game shit. actually is. All right. Well, oh, I was going to read color it. matching robot thingies. It's oh, a thank you, Andy. STEM-inspired, color-matching robot-building race of invention. Completes, oh, sorry, compete to build your robot first and win the coveted Devil Prize of Robotics. You'll need to do a little research, dig in the trash, and deal with faulty parts, all while outwitting the other scientists who are trying to stop you. Will you be the first to finish your robot? Let's get in the lab and find out. It says it takes about 20 minutes to play, two of the five players. That's a... Yeah, but, that's but about my style. Once you but start can you build a robot brood. that molests children? No, not unless you're running for a Senate in Alabama. Then, <laughs> oh, uh, then yeah, then you can. But, but uh, can you build a Robo Rally robot and then play it in uh, that game? Now there, there's another game I can't get else to play with, man. I love, I that, love game. that game. I will play that with All you right. anytime. Robo Rally rocks. <sighs> <laughs> Kay really hates it. And, and I, I, really hate hate it. I, I forgot sorry. to bring up the book club the last two episodes. Uh, we are currently discussing We Are Legion, We Are Bob by Dennis E. Taylor. 
And we also open up nominations for December's book. And December is once again a graphic novel month. Oops. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've forgotten, posted a regular one and had to take it down today. Uh-huh. So nominate your graphic novels. There's already some great ones up, and uh, we'll be deciding that by poll here in a, a couple of days, few weeks, a couple of days, few weeks, a couple of days to a week. <laughs> I was talking to a guy today who said that there is a Lobo Christmas special. I've heard, I've, yeah, I've seen the sure, Lobo Christmas special. Apparently it's on YouTube. Oh, you mean a video version? Yes. I know there's a comic. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a comic, but apparently there's a live-action Lobo Christmas. Live-action? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to hunt that sucker So that sounds like fan film. Definitely. It sounds like there's a real actor playing Lobo. A real actor? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) An actor with a known name. That's very dismissive. known actor. Hmm. Well, the Thomas Jane read... Was Thomas the pu- Jane Lobo. Well, no, no, he was in The Punisher for I know, uh, Dirty I know. Laundry. So I know, I know. It wouldn't be the first time a fan film had a, a name, but yeah, I'll take Thomas Jane's The name, Lobo sure. Parliamentary Christmas Special? I don't know. Andy? This is the first I'm hearing, hearing about it I, at I've all. I've not looked it up. Are you looking it up now? I have it. What do, you, what do you have? <laughs> well, it says... Thank God we have Jeff here to fact check Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it says the Easter Bunny is tired of being second best to Christmas, so he hires Lobo, a.k.a. the main man, to take out Santa Claus in order for him to rule over the holidays. But nothing goes as planned when the main man is involved. That sounds like a Lobo Christmas special. who plays it? Uh, Well, it is live action. It says Andrew Brennan... This is a Torgo last name right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, blame... That's that's my fault. Briniarski is the closest I can come. Sure. B R Y N I A R S K I. Sure. Horseshoes and hand grenades. I feel you, man. I I, I really feel your pain, Kirsten. What? <laughs> Having to explain to people how to Sapansky. You just skipped. Well, yours is <laughs> yours is easy to pronounce. That's right. I I hard to spell but easy to pronounce. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a little email here, guys. Uh, this is when we we're talking about the arcades that. Uh, Inspired us a few episodes back. Oh, yeah. My town had one arcade in the mall. It was called the Gold Mine. Uh, yeah. Whoa. The outside of it was big rocks with a wooden, crooked wooden supports that made it look like a stereotypical mine. It, I was basically, it was basically only lit by the lights from the games. I spent hundreds of hours there. Cannot tell you what the walls of the place actually look like inside. It was that dark. There were a few dim lights over the change machine and the door to the manager's office. I tended to gravitate toward the vector graphic games. I loved that Star Wars Death Star Run one. My favorite was a game called Tail Gunner. It was a sit-down game where you Mm. just shot at spaceships. It reminded me a lot of the guns from the Millennium Falcon scene. That's from Cthulhu Collector. Thanks for writing that in. Nice. The gold mine, man. I I spent some time in the gold mine. Did you really? Oh, we had a few of them and malls all oh, around. Oh, it's a franchise. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I seem to remember a gold mine, too. That's why I, went, I perked up when you said the name. Sure. Now, gold mine was where I beelined when I went to the mall. Mm. Wow. Definitely the first place they ever saw Dragon's Lair. I can definitely say that. Wow. I remember that moment. That was a life-changing moment. I wish I could remember the name of the arcade. There was, there was like an arcade in the town next over from us that was like where we first saw everything. It was like this, this little arcade and I'm unregarded mall there was a mall that had been the mall and then a bigger mall opened up 
next door. Oh, damn. Tail and, as old as time. Right. Oh, yes. And the and the little mall and that little mall ended up being the at, bad mall. At some point, no, it ended, at some point it ended up like everything left in it and it became a giant antique mall. Oh wow. It, it was the only open one like on the weekends. I huh. accept your proposal. Yeah. Now now it's been gutted and turned into a strip mall basically, so there's is is no longer a mall you walk through. It's okay. a mall you drive and park in front of and walk into. Well, northeastern Indiana, there were two franchises. There was the gold mine and there was Tilt. Those were the two you got to choose from because the mall had one or the other. Some malls had both. Whoa. Right. I've that, never been to a mall with two arcades. That's That was that, the best part. We that's had insanity. one in ours, but I'm trying, I can't for the life of me remember the names of the the two arcades that it's, we had. It's so funny. I've never cared. I just, oh, arcade, and I walk inside mm-hmm. and play games. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I'm sure we just called it the arcade. I'm not sure yeah, what the hell it was called. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. We used to go to an arcade in the Holyoke Mall at Ingleside, which is about 20 minutes north of my house. Um, and it was on the bottom floor where the movie theater was and the food court. But there was like this big central core uh, that rose up and there was a big dome on the top. And we'd walk up to it. And every time we'd walk up to that big open pit that went down to where the arcade was, we'd bellow, Carousel is alive! <laughs> nice. Uh, gentlemen, let's do some news. Yay! You don't give a shit about ah! It happens the same time every week. No, it doesn't, Matt. <laughs> Bally's Midway was one of them. That's the one I just remember. Oh, yeah. Goldmine all the way. Well, the other, the second one ended up getting bought by Namco eventually, but uh, oh, those I, Namco I can't folk. I think of the goddamn name. News you don't give a shit about. Forbes reports Justice League stands to lose fifty to a hundred million for Warner Brothers based on educated projections, such as the film's three hundred million production budget and one hundred fifty million in marketing price tags. Ooh. Uh, the film has already had the lowest U.S. opening. For any DCEU film at 96 million. And these projections assume it will also track to a lower overall global take once the theatrical run comes to an end. Wow. Warner Brothers pumped a lot of time, energy, and especially cash into Justice League, banking on the hope that pretty much everyone would turn out to see DC's biggest heroes for the first time. Uh, Taking a write down on a potential blockbuster is nothing new in Hollywood, but. For a franchise supposed to be a bankable moneymaker for Warner Brothers, this will no doubt have some fallout. The most obvious course correction. Yeah, let's just go to a fallout universe. No, wait. That's a whole other thing. The most obvious course correction would be simply to avoid another $300 million budget, which ballooned, of course, between the effects work and the extensive reshoots, uh, and then going down to like $150 million doing smaller stories, individual (laughs) stories. Doing a smaller tentpole. Right, doing a smaller epic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I mean, I'm, sure, <clears throat> it was not a fantastic movie, but I certainly enjoyed it. I liked everybody in it. Um, right. I know some people had a problem with Ezra Miller's Flash and that that interpretation of Flash. I enjoyed it. I was okay. Um, Do you think that interpretation was colored by the TV show at all? I mean, as far no. as people saying. Flash TV show is like this, and Ezra is not like that at all. No, Ezra, the the Miller interpretation is really way, way off 
from uh, from the comic book Flash. Okay. He's, he's not. He's really not even Wally Westish. I mean, he's. Oh. It's, it's really socially great. awkward. Um, you know, kind of uh, verging on Peter Parker esque. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and um, you know, there are a lot of people that that just that just rankled. I was I was okay because Barry Allen. The, in the comics, it actually kind of a tough character to write would be a tough character to do because he's so he's, he's a well-rounded character. Well, he's well-rounded. He's also very straight arrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, in yeah. many ways, he's more straight arrow than Clark Kent. Oh wow! Sure. So <clears throat> you know, um, but uh, I, <laughs> Jesus, I I yeah. enjoyed it. I like. I, I'm looking forward to the Aquaman sure, movie, sure. and that's in the bag. That's done. Aquaman movies, yeah. So they maybe, they, maybe the changes that they have going forward won't not will not be the Aquaman movie. Maybe it'll be a ground swell where it's ground swell. Maybe it'll be a ground swell where people will word of mouth will actually work and people will say, "Oh, it was pretty good. You should see it." And maybe it'll be and maybe do so. better. Maybe it is a thing where it's like, "Well, I've felt burned from BV Superman." Right. Maybe and, people are holding off waiting to see them. Right. And felt burned from. Uh, yeah, but the critics, Suicide Squad. The critics are burning it. Are they? They're, 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 it's... Well, yeah. that's probably not going to help the word no, of mouth No, no, thing. no, no, it's not. Well, I, it's it, going to make a lot of people think more of the same. It seemed to turn around a little on Sunday, because I think uh, when I was reading on Saturday, they said it had only brought in like 93 million. Yes. But as of Sunday night, it was like at 163 domestic. Really? So it, hmm. it went up. I kind of give a shit about that news. And then now nice there's still... Andy. So that you know, obviously that counts from Thursday on. So, but globally, it had topped over three hundred, and that wasn't counting domestic. So. Yeah, well, hopefully they're you know because sure. I don't. I mean, I, I didn't. I was. They're on the right track. Yeah. Well, second they, second weekend box office well. is the mm-hmm. is the of best selling. Well, mm-hmm. so I mean, if it does well next weekend, I'm sure it'll be fine. Sure. I mean, and not a lot to fight against it, really. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, Thor is still right, still but, but breaking it, in the box office. Sure, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a fight in the near future. Yeah, the next big thing has to go up against is Star Wars. Star Wars. Right. Yep. So, all right. Well, you gave a shit about this, Andy. Uh, maybe you won't give a shit about this one. Okay. <laughs> DC Entertainment has given a straight to series order to a Harley Quinn animated comedy. The show will consist of 26 half-hour episodes being developed by powerless executive producers Justin Halpern, uh, Patrick Schumacher, and Dean Laurie. Harley Quinn was last featured in 2016, Suicide Squad, where she was portrayed by Margot Robbie. Rumor has it Robbie will be asked to reprise the role in the Harley Quinn animated series, though no official announcement has been made confirming her involvement. Story details are scarce, but based on what we know so far, the show will follow Harley's journey after her breakup with the Joker as she attempts to make a name for herself in the new bigwig in Gotham. Supporting characters will include Poison Ivy as well as a cast of other familiar faces from the DC canon. Uh, This series is also being described as an adult animated comedy, which may offer some more hints at the types of storylines that will be explored. I, I give a shit about that also. Harley Quinn half-hour animated series joins the current roster of shows being prepped for the debut of the new digital dre- digital streaming service for DC. Fuck and you. Which is scheduled <laughs> for the 2018 launch. <laughs> already includes the upcoming live-action Teen Titans as well as the animated show Young Justice. Wow. And you, sir, is. a bastard. <laughs> wow. A DC streaming service? Yes. God damn it. 
2018, wow. that's coming. Yep. Holy crap. That'll be interesting to see no. what, what they do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean the, the streaming service. I said it'll be interesting to see what they do with, with Harley Quinn. Because I know that... Uh, Nobody will see it because oh. it's on another freaking streaming service. God almighty. Uh, A DC exclusive streaming service. Uh, I thought Warner's uh, was already working on one for all Warner titles. So now they're going to have a separate one just for DC. No, no. Maybe they'll integrate. That's stupid. That's stupid. Maybe maybe it'll be like a channel on their streaming service. Perhaps. Because that's that's how a lot of those streaming services are doing This is the downside of living in the age of the geek. I mean, there is a obscenity of wonderful comic book movies out there now sure and because of that they can split them off i mean if if they if they sure. weren't an obscenity of wonderful comic movies they would be forced to put them onto one channel but and, and now, now that net neutrality is going to be a thing of the past uh, you'll get to spend even more to watch the things oh. you already bought yeah good job everybody prices good going job up. going up going up teeth prices. Uh, there was an, I actually stumbled across this. Where the hell did I stumble across it? io9, I forget. Uh, somebody did this retrospective where they talked about that 1997 Justice League America TV pilot. Oh. With David Ogden Styles, yes. John Johns, and... Hmm. Uh, I don't even know this. Oh, it's, I, it's I don't either. astoundingly yeah. awful. It is. And it was really funny because one of the things they, they couched the, the, review, the thing in is they're like... Well, Justice League movie's coming out. People are talking about it. They're dissing it. Critics are, are dissing it. And he's like, but one thing that a lot of people are missing is they are making extraordinarily good superhero movies right now. And you can tell when you just go back 20 years to see how spectacularly bad yes. the superhero movies used to be. It was a two-parter. The second part was a superhero roast. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 not that, Andy. No? No, 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 no. What am that, I thinking of? You're thinking of uh, the old Adam West, Burt Ward. Yes. Yeah, things, and this is not that. Who's Martian okay. Manhunter in that? There is no Martian Manhunter in that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's something awful in that. Yeah. No, no. Well, wait, and what's that? Yeah. In, in, in what's the, your in, pronoun in the roast, antecedent? In the, the roast one, there's yeah. like somebody, somebody really weird playing characters. Yeah, Charlie Callis is Sinestro. Frank Gorshin was Riddler. They they brought back a lot of the Batman, but yeah, that no, no, that's not. <laughs> <Okay>. Wow. <laughs> oh God, I'm exhausted. No, this was an honest to God pilot. They actually, uh, I mean, it was totally funny because they totally violated. And I literally mean violated the idea of Justice League because it was like Adam, Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, Ice and Fire, and uh, <clears throat> Flash, Wally West. and That's bizarre. And what that's they, not dissimilar from the Justice League that was going on in the early 90s. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Well, well, that's, well yeah, no, because that sounds like half of Justice League International and yeah. half of regular Justice League. Yeah, right. it is. That's, and and it, exactly. a lot of it was probably rights issues, right? They couldn't use uh, Superman, yes. Wonder Woman, because that's when everything was divided up. And but they, Oh, my God. <laughs> I just looked go. up pictures of it. Yeah. No, it looks horrible. But it also pursued the, the Justice League as the awkward superhero archetype so all of them were awkward people trying to get used to their powers and figure things out and john johns was essentially 
the Professor X to their more new mutants than actual X-Men. So this was more along the lines of Greatest American Hero, the team-up. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. You know, Wally West, uh, uh, he, like, couldn't hold down a job. Fastest man alive, but he just couldn't hold down a job. <laughs> what? You know, and, and, and stuff like the Guy Gardner was not Guy Gardner from the comics. He was essentially Hal Jordan because he was this nice guy, straight arrow, who was coping with this strange ring power that he had. This is so bizarre. Oh, they it Guy really... Gardner was like the Rambo caricature. Right, exactly. And it, it just... 1997. Yeah, it really, it really was bizarre and awful. You can find it bootleg in almost any comic convention. There's a lot of clips of it on YouTube. I'm just yeah, like yeah. thumbing through a few of them. And it is, it <laughs> wow. is, a, it is a, you know, it's, it's almost like the DC Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. It, it does a real good job of just reminding you just how awful those superheroes. I mean, if you go beyond Burton's Batman or Raimi's Spider-Man, you know. Oh, Batman. we had the Flash TV show for a little while. Yeah, which wasn't too bad, wasn't bad. actually. It was pretty good. Yeah. I like the um, current one a lot better, though. Oh, <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think it might have gotten better in this time? <laughs> wow, they, they figured it out. But, um, yeah, it was it was really, really, it was, because it, it, you can. You can almost now take it for granted that the superhero shows are going to be of some quality to the point that stuff that is head and shoulders above what they used to do, people are like, yeah, that's so off, but, but, you know. Sure. So, Oh, that reminded me too, because when you were talking about uh, uh, the Barry Allen character in in Justice League, and you asked about whether the TV show mm-hmm. characterization affected uh, that. Grant Gustin, who plays the Flash on the TV show, actually last well, almost two years ago now, when Batman v Superman came out, and you know people were throwing a fit saying he's like oh they should have you play it blah 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 he actually came out as being very supportive yes. of Ezra Miller and he said from what i've what little i've seen of it so far i think he's going to do a great job and uh, i haven't read anything recently to see now that the movie is out cuz they're still shooting the season whether he's seen it or not but uh i thought that was a pretty stand up move on his part yeah he say. was he yeah. was very he was very uh very classy about it, um, and uh, and you know he's also right. Miller, there's nothing wrong with what Miller's doing. It's if people are gonna hate it, they're gonna hate it because the character as written, and you know, and as envisioned overall is just so different. But it's nothing has to do with Miller. Yeah, he's doing a fine job. That's right. News you don't give a shit about. Pull this off of Washington Post. The uh, it's been a while since I've had one of these kind of stories, and news you don't give a shit about it. I rarely can find a good one, but this is this is a good one. All right. <laughs> I'm frightened. <laughs> Me too. Seeking to prove that a conspiracy of astronauts fabricated the shape of the Earth, a California man intends to launch himself 1,800 feet high on Saturday. Oh, I saw this. In a rocket that he built from scrap metal. In 1,800. 1,800 feet high. He's got to use his homemade rocket to fly up. All right. Don't planes fly higher than that? (laughs) Much higher. (laughs) Assuming the 500-mile-per-hour mile-long flight through the Mojave Desert does not kill him, uh, Mike Hughes told the Associated Press his journey into the Atmos flat 
will mark his first phase in his ambitious flat earth space program. Hugh's ultimate goal is uh, a subsequent launch that puts him miles above the earth where the 61 year old limousine driver hopes to photograph proof of the disc we all live on quote. It'll shit. I'm going to use a Southern drawl because that's what this man deserves. Okay. It'll shut the door on this ball earth. Uh, Hugh said in a fundraising interview with a flat earth group. Theories discussed during the interviews included NASA being controlled by round earth Freemasons and Elon Musk making fake rockets from blimps, apparently. Uh, Hughes promised the flat earth community that he would expose the conspiracy with his steam powered rocket. Steam? Yeah. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Andy. Well, I mean, if you want to get technical... Any liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen-fueled rocket is propelled by steam. Jeffrey, or I should say that after the combustion... The, after? The, oh, after the combustion. Should, I should say the combustion yeah. is the exhaust is actually steam. But yeah. I'm going to back that sentence up because I want to complete this sentence. All okay. Right. He would expose the conspiracy with his steam-powered rocket, which will launch from a heavily modified mobile home, although he acknowledged that he still had much to learn about rocket science. <laughs> Now, Hughes isn't a totally unproven engineer. He built his first manned rocket in 2014 and managed to fly a quarter mile over uh, Winklesman, Arizona. (laughs) I love that name. (laughs) (laughs) Winklesman. And the annals of aviation hit from Kitty Hawk (laughs) to Winklesman. The flight ended with Hughes being dragged, moaning from the remains of the rocket. (laughs) The injuries he suffered put him in a walker for two weeks. Two Uh, whole weeks. (laughs) Right, that man's resilient. Hughes claims he had actually flown in a rocket, whereas astronauts were merely paid actors performing in front of a CGI globe. Now, goddammit, I want that job. Fuck off. John Glenn and Neil Armstrong are Freemasons. Hughes agreed. Once you understand that, you understand the roots of the deception. Unquote. I, I now understand why Buzz Aldrin wants to punch people <laughs> sure. when they mm-hmm. they spew this bullshit. I, I understand it now. Has he has he never flown in an airplane? That would do the same thing, right? That's, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he said 2,000 feet is, is the height. Is the altitude he's... he's 1,800. Yeah, 1,800. Yeah. You're, you're not going to see oh, the Oh, I thought curvature. it was 18,000. No, it's going to say... 1,800? 1,800 <laughs> feet uh-huh. is not going to give you... Fuck up on the stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, great, flying Andy. in any commercial aircraft <laughs> at 35 to 40,000 feet will give you a better oh idea of the God. curvature I of the love, Earth. Because, Andy, when you first said that, don't... don't eight, Airplanes go higher than 18. It's like, yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) For about 99% of the flight. (laughs) Wow. It'd be really terrifying if they all flew at 1,800 feet. (laughs) It's like 1,800 feet, you're talking like ultralight, right? While there's no one hypothesis for what the flat Earth is supposed to look like, many 
believers envisioned a flat disc ringed by sea ice, which naturally holds the oceans in. Oh, okay. What's sure. beyond the sea ice, if anything, remains to be discovered. He won't be able to test the rocket before he climbs inside and attempts to steam himself at 500 miles per hour across the desert. Uh, he promises backers an even riskier launch within the next year into the space above the disk. Quote, it's scary as hell, Hughes told the AP, but none of us are getting out of this world alive, unquote. Well, he's got that point. Yeah, take that man to the sure. bank. You know, I'm, I'm amazed that the, the 9-11 truthers, the flat earthers, and various people who are like engineers and stuff and go for this. It really blows my mind. Yeah. It's a special kind of so, kind you know, of dissonance need, needed for that. Okay, well, I know my next nominee for the Darwin Awards. <laughs> okay, Larry Walters, the guy that tied a bunch of balloons to a lawn chair in yeah. 1982. Yeah, yeah. He went up 16,000 feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> there are people, there are those great YouTube vids of people who put cameras oh, on love those, those balloons and send them mm-hmm. fucking up, for God's sakes. And some of those get like 80 to 100,000 yes, feet. Yes, and so. they, get, they get incredible footage of the curvature of the Earth. Yep. The, uh, it's even better when they can drop the camera from that side. Which, yeah, those yeah. Are, that's great footage, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I never I never wish death upon in- anyone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this got dark. No, I'm just saying. Oh, he's just, he's just he saying, doesn't have a nice walk, flight. I was going to say, yeah, that's, well, that's what I was going to say. <clears throat> I, I, I hope he has a wonderful flight. <laughs> Because I don't think he's going to walk away from it. You, you know what gets me, Todd? What's that? The look on Andy's face. Because he's he's just like he's listening to Jeff talk about not wishing death on anybody. <laughs> and he's just, hmm. <laughs> no, that's that's a, a polite nod. This is, this I don't want him to die. Yeah, yeah, I can see where but he's, he's probably going to. This is, is a what man I with say. severe mental issues. Probably yeah. needs some medication. But he's not going to get it in... Where the fuck is he? I think he had like a hundred and thirty thousand dollar Kickstarter, and he got it up to a full collection of three hundred and ten dollars, if I remember right. Three hundred and ten dollars yeah. from enablers. <laughs> from yeah. what the hell's the town again? Wilkins Men? Wilk Wilk Oh shit. Winkleman. Wick yes. He's not Winklesman's not gonna he's not gonna get the mental health and <laughs> disease and Winklesman. You think the backers are just backing him to to watch the fire? Oh, these are people that want to watch him die. Yeah. Of, uh, it's gonna result. <laughs> oh these are aging evil Knievel fans. This is terrible. <laughs> but he's going on the whole flat earther podcast circuit. He's 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 making the rounds, oh, man. It's like the people that watch NASCAR because they say, I love to watch the wrecks. A flat, a flat Earther came. I know people that say that. Wait, 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 wait. I know people that say they watch NASCAR because they want to see a wreck. Of course. And I'm like, uh, why? Why would you want to see somebody in a tumbling fireball and possibly dead? Well, I will say the rest of it's Absolutely. not all that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not. Uh, it's not. But that should not be the reason to want to watch it. And, and, and he's turning left. <laughs> yep, still turning and left. He's turning left. But no, no. You said uh, you ran into a an earther. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was I was sitting on I'm not sitting. I was standing trying to get people to sit down at the strip, and a guy comes <laughs> walking up. One Andy, of the... more detail in that sentence. Oh. <laughs> I was busking. I was okay, okay. There we drive. go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus. Sorry about that. Andy just goes out on Las Vegas Boulevard people and tries to get them to sit. You sit there. Sit. I'm a flat earther. Well, this is strange. How, how did I meet a lunatic on the strip? Oh, it's even better because the guy is dressed as Spider-Man. Oh. He's walking off the strip, takes off his hood, and looks at me and goes, you're an artist. You're, you're, you, you think creatively. You should look at some of the flat earth, flat earth videos. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Well, that's an icebreaker, I'll, I guess. I'll check into that. <laughs> that's not. That's, that's, you, you know what's so weird? That's an amazing lead. I can totally see that as the primer for opening up discussion. How do you discuss the flat earth theory? Without coming off crazy. Well, if you meet artists, point out they're artists and they think creatively and appeal to their creativity yes. and discuss, you know. If if they're you know and they're probably have a if are you if you're saying there's a flat earthers handbook and guy and dude there are podcasts yes no. you you know that's that people have put out primers on you know, how to discuss this shit when you're approaching people with critical thinking you gotta approach it in specific ways before they turn it off <laughs> so yeah Kirk, Kirk Cameron has whole videos on how not on flat Earth but on peeling but bananas on on how to to. <laughs> go around the normal critical thinking opposition so that he can, you know, put his religious beliefs on people. Imagine how terrible it'll be when people apply that logic to politics. Mm, whoops. <laughs> death. <laughs> I don't wish death on anybody. <laughs> but we can I didn't say but he's probably gonna die. <laughs> I don't want to see him die, but he's but he's going to tune gonna in. Anyway. I love it. I love. It. <laughs> oh, I'm I, not going to tune in. <laughs> I, I, and I do. I do apologize for interrupting you with laughter on that line about the converted motorhome. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Because because of course it is. I see. I see a big silver streamliner, and you just hear this boop boop. <laughs> it's just. I mean, even George Norrie wouldn't touch mm. this one. I mean. <laughs> I don't recommend drugs, alcohol, or insanity to anyone, <laughs> but in my case, it's worked. <laughs> Marvel Entertainment President Dan Buckley announced that C.B. Cebulski, who's been with Marvel in various roles for 15 years, will take the helm of Marvel's editorial division effective immediately. Whoa. The company said that Marvel and Alex Alonzo mutually parted ways, quote-unquote, but Alonzo himself has not yet made a statement on his departure. Uh, Cebulski started at Marvel in 2002 as an associate editor, where his most high-profile success was the launch of Runaways by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfonso. The series was a success with readers and cemented Cebulski's reputation for spotting talent and assembling effective creative teams. He grew into one of the company's top talent scouts, frequenting many conventions around the world searching for new creators to enrich the company. In 2011, he was promoted to vice president of international brand development for the company. In that capacity, he's been a key force in Marvel's quest to expand its publishing arm in Asia, with new characters originating from countries like South Korea and Japan. In addition to overseeing the creative and editorial direction of the company, Sobolski will also continue to recruit and develop new talent, which has been his long-held uh, specialty. Now, Alex Alonzo began his career at Marvel in 2000. Isn't it Axel? Um, I've got Alex here. Might be. Really? 
But uh, Andy, go to I work. Am, yeah, I'm go get it. it. I'm on it. Jeff, check up on Andy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Who gets to it first? Mr. Alonzo uh, began his career at Marvel in 2000. He was senior editor of the X-Men line. In 2011, he replaced Joe Quesada as the company editor-in-chief. His tenure in that job has been marked by several high sales years for Marvel, as well as successful events like Avengers vs. X-Men and Secret Wars. His tenure has also sometimes been marked by controversy, including fan criticism over excessive crossover events, fan diversity, and most recently the decision to convert Captain America into an agent of Hydra oh, during the Secret God's Empire event. Oh, for Christ. Right. But uh, did it I have is, right? Axel Alonso is, is an American comic book creator and former journalist. Alex Alonzo is a uh, um, uh, works at an oil and asphalt company in Florida. <laughs> well, that would explain why they let him go. Asphalt. I, I'm guessing they probably proofread. He probably mistyped it, and then the proofread would correct. Would know well. Actually, it could have been that too. I bet you that. But uh, no, well, because X. Well, no, it's different. Axel I'll spelling. Bet but, you. I will bet you. But I'm guessing his editor probably skimmed right over it if he had an editor. You you try. You put it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just <laughs> just put capital A Axel in your phone and just see. Watch it get corrected to Alex. I don't know. Okay. Oh, there he goes. Look out. Shit. <laughs> All right. I didn't expel Jeff. Of now course he's he doing took, it. Of course he took <laughs> that. Now he's testing it. Fuck. Legendary's live-action Pokemon movie has cast its lead actor, Justice Smith. Smith's probably best known for his role in Baz Luhrmann's The Get Down, which aired on Netflix. He'll next be seen in an undisclosed role in the upcoming Jurassic World sequel. Uh, no official synopsis yet for the film, which, according to The Hollywood Reporter, is said to be based on the great detective Pikachu. A vi- great detective Pikachu? Right. Um, it's a video game that was released in Japan in 2016. Okay. Uh, in that game, Pikachu is a detective who meets a boy named Tim Goodman who can understand Pikachu's unique language. The two team up to solve mysteries together. So it's like Lassie? But Pika Pika Pika. Yeah, where Timmy fell down the well. Yeah, where's Timmy Pikachu? So it's another unlikely pair teamed up to solve mysteries. I think unlikely formula. pair is a good name for this. Yeah. He's a monosyllabic <laughs> Pika Pokemon. <laughs> He's a sexually confused <laughs> Japanese kid. That's perfect. They're for detectives. <laughs> unlikely pair. <laughs> uh, Nicole Perlman. Uh, and Alex Hirsch, who uh, wrote uh, Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Gravity Falls, are writing the script. Goosebumps director Rob Letterman is on board to direct. Pokemon has been a worldwide phenomenon since 96, where the first video came out. And since then, there's been dozens of other video games, including uh, your happy Pokemon mobile game. Go, baby. The most successful mobile game in U.S. history. Uh, a card game, 20 animated features, cartoon series, manga, manga, more, more, more. Uh, there are Pikachu balloons in Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in a Pokemon-themed airplane in Japan. No release date as of yet, but the live-action Pokemon film is planned to be the first in a series based on the franchise. All right. I have to admit, I've never been into Pokemon. I've, going and playing that game is the closest I've ever been to being into Pokemon. Same here. I am not interested in a Pokemon story. Me either. But I'm really interested in seeing what Pokemon... Pokemon look like in a live action movie. Yeah, it'd be weird. 
You think it's not just going to be like a little CG character? I don't know if it's going to be CG animated or the. I my really hope is they're real to life looking and absolutely horrific. That would be wonderful. Much kind of want to paint those. Yes. Much like the garbage pail kids in sure. that movie. Yeah. Uh, let's. <laughs> and in fact, let's just hire those same puppeteers oh, to make God, that happen. Be awesome. Wow. That Pokemon movie I would watch. That and I want to see the Pokemon screaming in fear and agony as they're pulled into the balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, don't do it anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I play the game and know very little about the movies and in shows. There's a, um, uh, the library bards have a song about the Pokemon oh, yeah. that references stuff that I don't get. Uh, you, know, they, you threw me like a Pokeball, which I get that, but but there's a, there's a well, line. Then what's that, the problem? There's a line there about, are you a boy or a girl? And I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. There's a, that's obviously an in-joke for people of Now that Pokemon. one I know because it's a reference. You do know that one. It's a reference to uh, the main character. Was it Ash, right? Okay, he, yes, Ash he, Ketchum, I know that. Because you got to catch them all. Original, like, apparently, like, the original drawings of him was very... Um, Feminine? Genderless. Okay. Androgynous. Like, androgynous. You, could, you couldn't tell if he was a... Well, Ash could be short for Ashley. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it could be short for Ashley. All right, or it could yeah. be short for Ash with an E. Or it could be short for Ashton. Or just uh, short or long for As. <laughs> yeah, that's hmm. true. Yeah. Paramount has tapped its new Pet Cemetery directors, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmer. The duo are best known for directing the evil Hollywood horror film Starry Eyes and have been heavily involved in MTV's Scream adaptation. Mary Lambert helmed both the original 89 original adaptation and the 92's Pet Cemetery 2, besides writing the screenplay, along with Stephen Schneider. Stephen King also famously cameoed as a preacher in the original film. Uh, for the remake, Paramount has uh, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura and Mark uh, Vadrain producing a script by Jeff Bueller and David Kajanich. So, I'm, I'm sorry? You're, you're so like, what, Jeff, what? Jeff and I are laughing because... Inside you know, joke. Uh, I say fuck it. Um, one I spoiler. Say fuck it too. One spoiler for Justice League. Ezra Miller, as Flash Barry Allen, makes a Pet Cemetery joke. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. No, that's what the giggles were. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Pet Cemetery 2, no no Herman Munster? He, he, he's kind of... That would really be that, Pet Cemetery. I know. Yeah, that would be... Yeah. Right? That's, uh, yeah. That could bum, be the plot of Pet Cemetery 2. Bum, 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 I never saw Pet Cemetery 2. It's it's not. No? Good. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I mean, it's it's not the first is one of my favorite Stephen King movies. And I hesitate to say it's it's not the worst film I've ever seen, but it's just not good. Okay, because that first one's great. Yeah, the first one's the really first good. First one's r- real close to the book. Because I want to say, was it Edward Furlong's in the second one, or maybe yes, it's in the third? Edward one? Edward Furlong is in the second one, which is probably why I didn't go see it in the first place. Oh, I can well or Andrew, Edward. No, Eddie Furlong's. He's not Furlong. He's <laughs> thank you, here, thank here. you. Yes. Not strong in the chops. Let's just put it that way. As the acting ability of a small soap dish. Wow. Well, I I wouldn't put it in so many words, but. You really are in the Paul chair. Yeah. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Yep. Edward Furlong, Clancy Brown, Anthony Edwards. Oh, Clancy. Oh, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) With The Image Comics series Comeback is being adapted into a feature film by Walking Dead and Outcast creator Robert Kirkman. 
and time crime time crimes director Nacho uh, Bigalondo. <laughs> Nacho Bigalondo. <laughs> Nacho Bigalondo. Oh God! You know this shit. I think people are now publishing these articles just to fuck with Torgo. <laughs> How do you spell nacho? N-A-C-H-O. Just like the nachos. <laughs> yes. Are you sure that's in another typo? Of everything in that sentence, that's the thing I'm most sure of. Are you sure, are you sure it's not Axel? <laughs> Actually, n- nacho is a very common name for Mexicans. It's, it's, it's also Ignac- common for me to order it's, on a Tuesday night. It's a night. short version for Ignacio, typically. <laughs> And I know this because I have several Mexican friends that told me this. <laughs> Unless they were just fucking with me. So. No, 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 no. No, 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 Jim. Yeah, just ask their friends Churro. They <laughs> and their girlfriend, Chimichanga. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> right now, Paul's balls are tingling, and he has no idea why. He's like, what, what, what the hell's going on? Oh. Uh, the comic, written by Ed Brinson and drawn by Michael Walsh, debuted in 2013, follows a company called Reconnect that, for a large fee, reunites people who have died pre- uh, prematurely with their loved ones by sending agents back in time to rescue the person before they're killed. Since time travel is illegal, the FBI is investigating Reconnect when two of its employees, Seth and Mark, get stuck in the past on a mission that goes awry, of course. Uh, Seth and Mark soon discover that Reconnect itself has a hidden agenda, and the pair finds themselves fleeing through time from the law and the company. So, Reconnect. That's Andy, remember the uh, remember Fringe? They had uh, one, one little story element where there was this one guy who seemed to be messing with time. Yes. And he, and he kept... They they finally figured they think that he was trying to save his wife who was killed in a car accident because a truck just t-bones her car and kills her. All right. And uh, they're they're doing the whole you can't stop someone from being killed. Blah 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 butterfly effect. And then the heart wrenching moment in the 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 story is <clears throat> the guy finally eludes them. He gets back. He goes running up to the car with his wife and he gets in the car and he's like, wait, 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 wait. And she's like, what? And he gets in the car with her and he's like, I just wanted to tell you I love you. And then the truck (laughs) smashes it. So he was actually the whole time trying to get to be with her when she gets killed. So he's killed with her. Fringe sounds like a good show. It it, it, It actually was. It actually was. It was pretty good. And that, that scene was just like, holy shit. Because, you know, you really did expect it to go in the conventional way, and it totally did not. I love that. It pulls my heartstrings a little. Yeah, it does. It was wow. just, it was, and man, they, because um, they really, they really did a good effects job on that crash. Because um, if he, he gets in the passenger seat, doesn't he, Andy? And he, he's looking over her shoulder. I love you. The camera goes to her, and you see the truck just coming right in. Yeah. I still got to see the end of that. I'm still in. Really? Holy yeah. shit. He just told you the end. No. <laughs> Fringe. Oh, whole series. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, it was, uh, that was, it was uh, actually a very touching, very, very touching, clever moment. Wow. Paramount Players. 
a new, younger-skewing division headed by Awesomeness founder Brian Robbins, is moving ahead with a film version of Nickelodeon's 90s series. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Awesomeness founder? The guy founded a company called Awesomeness. I hate him already. <laughs> well, it could have been worse. It could have been Awesome Sauce or any of the other... Nope. Slew of... Nope. Awesomeness is awesomeness just as bad is, as Awesome Sauce. No, awesomeness is hard to beat. I, I, I would take Awesome Sauce because that's kind of a Jack Blackism. <laughs> awesome Possum. He's moving ahead with a film version of Nickelodeon's 90s series, Are You Afraid of the Dark? The original TV series was a horror anthology for teens and tweens, but it seems that Paramount may be taking a slightly darker tone by hiring horror screenwriter Gary Dauberman for the project. Dauberman is best known for his adaptation of Stephen King's It earlier this year. He's also written the scripts for two Annabelle features as well as The the Nun. All three were part of James Wan's The Conjuring Universe. Are You Afraid of the Dark was a popular horror anthology series created by DJ McHale and Ned Candle that aired on Nickelodeon from 1992 to 1996 with a small revival at the end of the 90s. It featured a group of kids known as the Midnight Society who would gather around a campfire and tell ghost stories. These were, quote, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, unquote, and were usually stories with a uh, paranormal element such as ghosts, vampires, werewolves, wizards, magicians, demons. Frequently, the tales were based on fairy tales or urban legends. Now, no word yet on any other talent attached to the film, uh, we also don't know whether it's going to be a single story like Goosebumps or more of an anthology kind of thing. But uh, okay. I've, I've, Are You Afraid of the Dark was beyond me. At that point, I was in yeah, I, college I, and post-college, and I wasn't watching Nickelodeon anymore. I so. couldn't get into it. You it, tried? This I, I don't. I tried like a couple episodes because, I mean, the pitch was like, oh, kids telling ghost stories around a campfire, you know, because I'd done that. We did that in Scouts a lot. And, you know, and then it... You know, really? kind of turns into yeah. Okay, tell all kinds of it's stories. Kind of like, kind of like Goosebumps the series, yeah. Really. but uh, yeah, and then you know, horror ish story spills out of the you know the setup, and I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It just it skewed way too young. Okay, and I, I know it, it has a special place kinda, in a lot of people's. Yeah, lives. well, it, it was kind of hokey, but again, it's that same problem that we have with a lot of even some of the things that I hold dear to my heart, and I go back and look at it through adult lenses and go wow why was i so into that speaking of i i really want to watch space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone Again. i like her i like her is that why it keeps popping up in the suggested for you when i go on netflix they that's don't have a, it on there that's a, that's a netflix no, oh, no, no right not, now. sorry not on netflix on amazon oh is it on amazon yeah keeps popping up on there now, it's like suggested I, for you and i'm like why is this popping up because if it if it's on Amazon Prime, yeah, I'm down. I'm so down Let for me know, watching man. it. Because I almost bought the Blu-ray today. Yeah. Oh. Just for wanting to watch. I it own again. the DVD. Do you? Yeah. I want to borrow it. Come over and watch it. It's 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 actually uh, it's really fun because so I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Molly Ringwald. Right. Yeah. It has an age gap romance too. I mean, it's quite clear that Peter Strauss's mm-hmm. character. Is a little older than Molly Ringwald. Yes, like twenty years older. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Uh huh. And it's 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 funny because 
Now, if you're unfamiliar with Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, this was a 3D movie in 83, I think it came that out. That sounds right. And so it's when you watch it, it's very apparent that it's 3D a, was part of it. It's yeah. very 80s. Uh, so it is on Prime Video, but only for rent or buy. Okay. Two ninety nine to rent, twelve ninety nine. I'll buy. rent it to you for one ninety nine. I cut it to a dollar and it's a deal. All right, all right, done. But we have to sit on the couch with you and watch it. Well, then you're pitching in. All right, I'll put in my, <laughs> I'll put in my two bits, literally. <laughs> two bits. I'm sorry. Shave and a haircut. Two bits. Oh, so you're just doing the ending? Okay. <laughs> I was, and cut, was Jeff ro- gets straight to the point. He doesn't yeah. dilly dally. He was doing the Roger Rabbit riff, man. Thank you, God. That's somebody got that. Hey, I, I got that too. I just didn't mention it. It's been ages since I've seen Roger Rabbit. <laughs> still holds up pretty well. It does. does it? Yeah, I still got to read the one it's based on. It's been in my brain because the guy that does the voice is, uh, is appearing that- at the Tropicana, and I drive by ah. that billboard all the time. Charlie Fleischer or something. Charles, yeah. Charles Fleischer. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. He was uh, also in Back to the Future Part Two. He also did uh, and three. J, 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 Jar Jar. He did Jar Jar in uh, the uh, I think in it was the porn parody Revenge of the Sith. Oh, oh, is it the Sith? Yeah. Okay. Or I, I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah. He. I mean, uh, Ahmed Best couldn't do it, or some, or either just bailed. Or I don't know. I think he just couldn't or, do it. Realized he was doing a racist character. <laughs> and uh, Didn't Jar Jar just nod in that movie. Well, there uh, was there was the bit where he's um, proposing to make Palpatine emperor, give him unlimited power. Okay. And he, he actually, I remember this because Flesh. I thought that was in Clones. It well might have been. It is an Attack of the Clones. It isn't okay. Because okay. he does emergency powers, and he does the uh, Delo Felagets. Yes, and he he that was an honest mistake, and they kept it. But that was uh yeah that was Flesher's his gaff. contribution. His contribution <laughs> to the Jar Jar his, his his private shame. <laughs> oh Whoa. God, that made it in the movie. I would Pardon. like to see Chuck Wendig write a whole Jar Jar novel. Wow, that it, I could get behind. Yeah. No, you. I wouldn't. would. I would trust him with that character. That, no, you wouldn't. Yes, I trust would. him. <laughs> there's. I don't think there's any other author I would trust with writing a Jar Jar story than Wendig. And, could it be like a like a Gerald's Game thing? <laughs> but it all takes place in Guantanamo Bay. Oh God! See, that's like trusting Andy with a bottle of nitro. It is <laughs> having seen the movies when you go back and watch the clips of. Lucas in pre-production for Jar Jar's going to be the core he, of this he's, movie. He's like, he's like, Jar Jar's the key to all this. If we can just get Jar Jar to work, it's going to be something special. And you're sitting there going, and I'm like, Jar Jar is the key to all this, huh? Something special, all right? <laughs> yeah, he's certainly special. Robert Kirkman's dystopian comic, The Walking Dead, mutated into a massive television series with hordes of fans. This massive it. M- must tell us something about ourselves. As the Smithsonian Museum of American Art, History, Arts, and Culture curator Eric Gentich believes, quote, these items from one of the most watched shows in cable television history represents America's fascination with horror as a genre that has crossed into mainstream family viewing, unquote, said Gentich, who wanted to... Wait, 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 wait. I know. Family viewing? Yeah, right. Who wanted to add some gruesome artifacts from the show to the Smithsonian Museum's collection? 
Jens is convinced that our horror obsession, quote, can help us better understand the American experience, and that the goddamn truth, through the often controversial themes of disease, violence, looming terrorism, irreversible climate change, and even the threat of life as we know it being being dehumanized. Even if the phenomenon isn't as literal as rotting corpses that reanimate and stalk the living. Here are the show's props chosen for the Smithsonian. Summer, the little uh, bloody little girl clutching the teddy bear who was the first walker that Rick ran into when he emerged from his coma. Her entire gore splattered costume, bunny slippers included, is in there. Along with the disembodied head of Bicycle Girl, the first walker Rick actually kills. Also donated to the collection are the costumes of Carl and Glenn, as well as Herschel's... You mean Coral? Coral, yes. Coral Coral and Glenn. Coral! As well as Herschel's decapitated head, Daryl's crossbow... Wait, Herschel dies? Michonne's katana, and Merle Dixon's arm rig. So now all part of the Smithsonian. That makes me really happy. I I love those stupid Rick and Coral memes. The the joke memes? joke memes. (laughs) Of Rick telling Coral a joke. Dad jokes. <laughs> yes, telling dad jokes. <laughs> I nicknamed my iPod the Titanic because it's sinking. Coral, it's sinking. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. <laughs> uh, Matt Sazima and Burke Sharpless, the screenwriters behind the recent Power Rangers reboot and Dracula Untold. That's some that's some <laughs> pedigree. Say, wow. That's, that's not a pedigree to be proud of right there. Have been selected to pen a script for a film based on Marvel Comics character Morbius the Living Vampire. Wow. The report describes the film as a Sony Marvel movie. While the two studios have recently collaborated to bring Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not clear right now where Morbius would fit in. Is it Morbius or Mobius? It's Morbius. I Morbius. Guess. Yes. It's Morbius. Mobius okay. is the uh, Mobius is the artist. Yes. Yes. Uh, created in 1971 by writer Jerry Conway and artist Gilla Kane, Michael Morbius is an accomplished biochemist who won a Nobel Prize for his work, but was transformed into a pseudo vampire while trying to cure himself of a rare blood disease via an experimental procedure. As a result, he must consume blood on a regular basis and has difficulty moving around in sunlight. His physical appearance was transformed to become more bat-like, making himself one of the more striking monsters in the Marvel Universe. The upside is that while not fully a vampire, he gained abilities like superhuman strength and speed, as well as heightened senses. And a bitchin' outfit that shows his belly button. Right. He originally appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man, but has since gained his own solo title. So Sony's writing a Morbius living vampire series. Well, I mean, film. it could be interesting, except that, you know, the, 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 their pedigree before that is awful. So, uh, it's an, it's an, it's an okay character. Okay. It's funny. Cause when you think about it, there's a logic to it. Wasn't there a vampire superhero property? Ah, we know where to go. Wasn't there a um, um, yes, a, super, a team up of like Mobius and a couple other uh, odd borderline hero villains? Oh, crap, what was it? Night, like the Midnight Suns or something like that. Something like that. There was yeah. Morbius, I think. Uh, the Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> ah, yes. Who is uh, poor victim Jack Russell? Always like that. 
Yeah. Jack Russell. <laughs> Werewolf by that's, that staged your brain. Yeah. And, um, Human by day. I don't know who the hell else, though. Jack, the Werewolf by Night was where the uh, Darkhold shows up for the first time, yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. Okay. I would like the uh, the stinger, though, on that movie to be Blade appearing. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That would be all right. Played by Snipes, because what the hell is he doing? I'm down. Ouch. A lot of B-movies. <laughs> wow. He's writing a novel, mister. Is Did, he? Yeah. Uh, about what? Uh, he wrote a science fiction novel. Oh, yes. We did talk about that. We, yeah. I, we ran into it at Barnes & Noble last week when oh we my stopped God. by there. And you didn't buy it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I made fun of it when we brought it up on the on the show. <laughs> it was a news you don't give a shit about, for God's right, sake. Right, right. Yeah. And he's upset. Yeah, I'm looking up Midnight Suns. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Oh no, not him! <laughs> don't tell me, Torgo. Who's, I don't want to hear it. Whose boobs did he touch? I forgive him. Hashtag, Hashtag not me. him too. Oh god. <laughs> Tom Hanks is signed on for a new movie from Game of Thrones director Michael Sapachik. The film BIOS follows a robot in a post-apocalyptic world who has been created specifically to care for the dog of his dying creator. Heartstrings already. Wow. Wow. That's Ouch. Yeah. Along the way, the robot learns about, quote, love, friendship, and the meaning of human life, unquote, according to Variety. Hanks will play the robot's dying creator. The script is, uh, is the first from writers Craig Luck and Ivor Powell. Uh, Sabichik has uh, directed multiple episodes of Game of Thrones and won an Emmy Award for directing the infamous Battle of the Bastards episode. He also directed 2010's Repo Man, as well as episodes from Iron Fist, Fringe, Falling Skies, and Under the Dome. Hanks, over his vast double Academy Award-winning career, starred in many genre-tinged projects like Big, The Burbs, Toy Story, Green Mile, and of course, David S. Pumpkins. David S. Pumpkins. The project being Any produced. questions? <laughs> the project being produced by Robert Zemeckis and Kevin Mishner should begin filming in the first quarter of 2018. Uh, hasn't been picked up yet, but uh, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment is expected for the destination. Well, yeah, Hanks and that's, yeah, and uh, Zemeckis, yeah, yeah, that's where it's more going. more than likely it's going to wind up there because. Those are two of his best buds. A robot in a post-apocalyptic world has been created specifically to care for the dog of his dying creator. Wow. Now that's a goddamn log line. Holy well, shit. At least his sole purpose isn't to just pass butter. Oh. <laughs> that's the poop scoop. Right. And then after the dog dies, he just starts picking up trash <laughs> for oh. ages. Wow, this is... This is getting this is a sad. sad cast. No, it's getting Wally. That's what it's getting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, I, I, didn't, I don't know what to think about this one. Uh-oh. But it's news. <laughs> <laughs> but it's news. George Cameron Romero, the son of the late, great filmmaker George Romero, is working on a prequel to his father's seminal 1968 feature film debut, Night of no! the Living Dead. A prequel, uh, originally titled Origins, Cameron explain the where the zombies came from. Sure, Cameron said that this was just the code name for the film, which has been officially titled Rise of the Living Dead. Ooh. 
In 2014, Cameron started an Indiegogo campaign and reached his goal of $30,000 to fund a prequel to Night of the Living Dead. Cameron is writing and directing, but no cast or start date has been announced. Here's a quoting from what he released. Origins takes place in the turmoil of the 1960s, just shortly before Night of the Living Dead, and explains how the original Romero zombie was created. In 1962, Dr. Ryan Cartwright was on the scientific and altruistic path to find a way for humans to sustain life in the event of MAD, a mutual assured destruction, a huge topic brought on by the Cuban Missile Crisis. Little did he know that over the course of the next several years of his life, he would take a well-funded and military-focused journey to the darkest corners of the world as he creates the ultimate weapon for the government and a curse that will plague mankind for the rest of days, unquote. In his Facebook post, Cameron describes the project as a love letter to my dad. Aww. Many of you, quote, many of you know that I've been working to tell a story for many years. My dad read the script and called it genius. I'm not saying that from pride. It's an actual quote, and I have email to prove it. Many have approached me about making this film, and I've said no to many because even though I'm not a precious artist, this one is special. This one is mine. This one is my love letter to my dad, to his work, to the fact that he was once called the most dangerous filmmaker alive, and the fact that society in 1968 wanted to shut him up as much as they wanted to celebrate him, unquote. I like the quote. I hate the idea. Yeah, that story premise <laughs> sounds really familiar. Like Does. I've either read or seen it before, but it, that it was, you know, it's a genetic manipulation of the human genome to fortify humans against a nuclear winter, so they would be able to survive. And you know, the the downside was that when they actually died, it kept them alive like it was supposed to, but sure, and not I, like themselves. And I'm sure, it's the premise of hundreds of the thousands of zombie books that are out there and the movie offshoots so i'm just i used to love zombies i used to love them so much i'm just so tired of zombies now need a zombie break yeah an outbreak what where, oh, where? When yeah. have, oh no oh lock, yeah all right lock the doors, lock get, the the, doors. get the ammunition shoot for the heads yes andy's good at that I am. You should see him in his close quarters battle with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? Yeah, on uh, Call of Duty oh, Zombies. Okay. okay. Andy ends up with a... I, I, the idea of Andy holding a sniper rifle in, rifle in physical form frightens <laughs> yeah, the hell out it, of me. It, 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 it's funny <laughs> because... In close quarter combat. <laughs> there was one game we were playing. We This was when we would uh, get together with Scott, uh, and uh, we would play for endless hours. And one night, Andy had this atrocious run of luck where the, the mystery box, which you pay money into to get a mystery weapon, okay, just kept giving him this fucking... It's a Barrett Light 50. It's actually a heavy-duty okay. sniper oh. rifle. Yeah, that's not good in close quarters. Yeah, it's... Zombie and, fighting. And just because he kept getting the fucking rifle, by the end of the night, Andy was actually pretty good <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Killing zombies within three feet of him with a sniper rifle. Wow. I can hip fire a sniper rifle in nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking kills me every time. 
because he has become very good at it. <laughs> Jesus. Because in, re- in real life, that ends in accidental juggling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's got to be Andy's biography. The accidental juggler. Actually, we, we uh, came up with the... Uh, Kid have had a little bit of a run of bad luck this year. Just, just a tiny run of bad luck. Just a teensy bit. So we... we uh, can't remember what sparked it, but we decided that what we need to do is start breaking mirrors and oh. walking under. Well, ah, under yeah. well, you wanted to do we, the, we the, to, we'll, we'll turn, turn the full we'll circle of of bad of bad yeah. luck or the full circle. Step okay. on the cracks, right? Break him Bring it all the way back. around. Right. Spill all the salt. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. I spilled the salt. That's yeah. what started. You it. knocked over the salt, and I, Andy. You knocked over the salt. That's bad luck. And I hear from the other room. I'm just going for the full circle of just bring it right back around to good luck again. Restaurants are going to hate you. <laughs> just walk in the Denny's. Whack, whack, whack. whack, whack. This is Excuse me. Whack, whack. Things are going to turn around now. Let's go gambling. Denny's has a claw machine, by the way. Which, uh, just an aside, just an aside. Okay. You know, every time I see a, I've seen a bunch of claw machines this week, and every time I see it, I think of you. <laughs> Gives a whole meaning to you. Just look Janet inside Jackson's the claw machine, and there's like a hundred little torgos inside, just waiting to be hands on the glass. <laughs> claw, the claw. Millennium Media is producing a Red Sonia film. <laughs> Millennium's uh. Avi Lerner and Joe Gatta will produce with Mark Canton, Courtney Solomon. The project is moving quickly, and the next stage is to hire a writer. Yes. That's quickly, I guess. The character of Red Sonja was created in 1973 for Marvel Comics by writer Roy Thomas and artist Barry Windsor. No, it wasn't. Barry Windsor Smith, based on Robert E. Howard's short story, and has featured in many comics since. In the original comics, the sword-wielding heroine overcomes the death of her family and gains abilities that allow her to seek revenge. Uh, Lerner told Deadline, quote, They've been waiting in the right for the right time for this remake, and with the success of Wonder Woman... The audience has spoken. They want female heroes, unquote. Okay. Now they got to write it. Yep. It could be. I'm, and it could They're not going to go back to the Howard to oh, do it. Of course it. not. I mean, that's the, the Siege of Vienna. And <clears throat> oh, that, it's a hell of a good story. Right. Red actually. Song is set in a different time period than Conan by a long shot. Well, different time period. It's set historically. Yeah. Oh. I would say they couldn't get any worse than the uh, the previous Red Sonja film, but yeah. yeah, you can always go. And she certainly you can always go for broke. She certainly doesn't wear a chainmail bikini. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen the original eyes. Really? That's what, this is a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it could be. It could be really. Yeah. I, it's also the the comic book one is. Uh, I know they've gone off in a different way, but with that origin story, it's so integral, so much a part of the Conan universe that uh, I, I just, why go away from there? But I mean, I understand the rights things and everything because that Sonya is actually not owned by Conan Enterprises. It's like... It's Marvel's. It, yeah. Or is it even Marvel's? Now? I don't even know if it's Marvel's. I'm not even sure. If you're going back to the original Howard, that's got to be public domain by now. Well... Um, I'm guessing it's not Marvels because these people aren't don't seem to be involved with Marvel at all. No, no, no. So no. And I doubt very much that they licensed it. Maybe, maybe that Sonya got sold to Conan 
Entertainment, Conan Properties. I forget the uh, the company that handles it. I don't know. It's really interesting. It's very bizarre. Hmm. That is actually an interesting point. Is who? What rights are these from? Because this is an adapted character from an original, but is not the original. Right. I mean, yeah. It's just weird. What is the time period it said? I'm trying to remember. It's the Siege of Vienna, where um, uh, the Ottomans, that's that's where the Ottoman tide invasion of Europe was broken in the 1400s, I believe. That sounds and, right. And uh, a, a <clears throat> European ally army of various nationalities finally breaks it. But Vienna was actually very close to falling. Um, and then the they broke the ottoman army and the ottoman army had been uh, was extent overextended logistically suffering from disease uh, the invasion was a real disaster and v- vienna held out just long enough for the uh, the the relief force to arrive and like you know it's a big polish thing too cuz polish king sobieski like led the international force and the Polish hussars were had this very dramatic charge. They literally showed up um, on 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 day X, and it was like, okay, we'll wait for everybody to arrive and attack tomorrow. And people were like, no, no, look at them. They don't have siege works set up and protecting themselves. Well, let's do this. And it was literally like, all right, fuck it. And they just went and they charged through and totally broke, totally broke the uh, the siege. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of like that. So, Sonia um, is, uh, is a, um, a Russian or Cossack-type East European woman who uh, is a mercenary in the, in the armies. And she's, eh, she's kind, of, kind of almost prototypical, uh, outmans the men you know, type of character. Out drinks them, out shoots them, out curses them. The whole, the whole thing. Probably not a redhead in the comic. No, in the, no, in the she story. is a com- she redhead. Is a red, okay. She is a redhead. Fiery redhead. Because there was a uh, harem girl. One of the harem girls for Sultan Suleiman was named Roxelena. And she was like a Russian slave who apparently actually grew to become very influential in um, the Turkish court, because there was a period where actually the harem was the center of power, really. It was very, very interesting. And Ro- I believe Roxelena, Roxana, was, uh, was such a slave, and Sonia is sister to Roxana and, like, hates her for, for quote-unquote, betraying her people, you know, so on and so forth. So it actually was very interesting. It's a pretty interesting story. But um, the Roy Thomas Barry Windsor Smith adaption actually is very close to that. Does a little tangential supernatural element to it, uh, transports it into Conan's world, and that's how the character was introduced. Yeah. It was a really good character at the time. Then... Over time, they started, you know, the chainmail bikini, which at one point was interesting, but now has become just this awful visual cliche. Yeah. Then they started introducing the stupidity of she has to keep her virginity to be a great fighter, wow. or there, you know, some very thing her family she lost, and this goddess gave her what? It, it's like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, what? Why can't somebody just be fucking good at something? <laughs> 
<laughs> she's just really good at sword fighting, folks. Whoa. Uh, I love watching Kay riff on, on history. Yes. On, on, on military history. It's like, yeah. Whoa. What All breaks right. your Ottoman tide? Write to us. Comments <laughs> at UglyCowShow.com. <laughs> <laughs> and until next week, I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Historian Kay. And we'll Fact talk. checked Andy. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Oops. I'm still right here. I'm right here in the chair. <laughs> You're God sitting closest it. to him. <laughs> what the hell would have happened if Matt was here? <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to roll past them too? I think you became the de facto Matt. Uh, <laughs> wow. Matt's wow. sitting there listening to this going, God damn. <laughs> no, he isn't. Maple. Yeah, yeah no, he's not. He's not listening. He's not listening. At he's all. not listening. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week at Geek. Oh, my God. I still, it's so funny because I. I I don't think it's on Netflix anymore because at one point I actually, Paul, remember he used to rail me, dude, you person, you've got to watch Red Sonia. You've got to watch Red Sonia. Yeah, he liked and, that pit scene. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I like her for the pit. And I think I actually put it in my queue, but I think it's been pulled. I don't think yeah, it's, I don't on think it's on there anymore. Yeah, so, oh, well. You'll have to wait for it to go to the Warner Brothers streaming network. Yeah, there you go. The 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 Conan exclusive <laughs> streaming service <laughs> that you know will no doubt happen in about ten years. Uh, mm. which, you'll, which you'll have to pay an extra two dollars for through ISP due to the lack oh, of net neutrality. Oh, Jesus, right. God Almighty. Good job, voters. Fuck us. And the the shoehorned in Schwarzenegger character. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah, Calador. Yeah. Well, he was only supposed to have like a couple of scenes, so it'd be more like a cameo. But they were so worried about the film standing on its own that they kept writing more scenes for him. You know, it's really tragic about that. Sandal Bergman, who is Valeria in the Conan movie, right. and is fantastic, oh, yeah. was supposed to be Red Sonja. Was she really? It was for her. Poor woman did not want to be pigeonholed. So she actually went for the bad chick, the enchantress, the sorceress. Okay. That was her. And that's where Bridget Nielsen came into it. And I think if Sandal Bergman had been Red Sonja, I haven't even seen the movie, but I'll guarantee you right now, that would have been a much better fucking movie. Hmm. I would have fucking wanted to see that because she was great as Valeria in the original comic. Right. She was just superb. Sure. So, but yeah, yeah, I read that. Actually, I read that just this year in some story I was reading the background of the movie. So, yeah. it's supposed to be her. Hmm. Golly gee bullockers. Good to know. Yeah. What could have been? Mm.